The ETF Edge podcast is sponsored by Invesco QQQ, supporting the innovators changing the world. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Welcome to ETF Edge, the podcast. If you're looking to learn the latest insights on all things exchange-traded funds, you are in the right place. Every week, we're bringing you compelling interviews, thoughtful market analysis, and breaking down what it all means for investors. I'm your host, Leslie Picker, filling in for Bob Pisani. Today on the show, we'll dive into the world of dividend plays and break down the latest big dividend ETF launch. We'll also get an update on top thematic trends that have taken the investing world by storm this year, namely AI in the wake of President Biden's new executive order and crypto in the wake of Sam Bankman-Fried's trial last week. There's no question the crypto bulls are out in full force with Bitcoin prices topping $35,000 again today. What does the timeline look like for a spot crypto ETF? Here's my conversation with Dave Mazza, Chief Strategy Officer at Roundhill Investments, John Mayer, CIO of Global X, and Todd Rosenbluth, Head of Research at Vetify. Uh, Dave, let's start with you. Tell us more about your new fund. You've been referring to these picks as the Recession Kings. What's in the fund and why do they earn the crown now? Yeah, no, thank you for having me. So the new fund is the King's ETF, ticker KNGS. And it's named that for a reason. It focuses on the dividend monarchs. These are companies that have increased their dividends each and every year for a minimum of 50 years. The holding with the longest dividend streak is at 69 years. You have to go back. That's when Dwight Eisenhower was the president. These companies have been through it all. They've been through wars, recessions, most recently a global pandemic, and they've been able to reward shareholders with an increase in their dividends each and every year. So for investors who are concerned about the market outlook or just looking for an opportunity to increase the income potential and total return of their portfolio, focusing on companies that have the consistency and reliability as the dividend kings, the dividend monarchs, could be an opportunity for them. And for those who aren't history buffs out there, this uh, Eisenhower's presidency ended uh, January 20th, 1961. So uh, we're talking uh, quite a while there. Now, Todd, um, dividend ETFs are generally viewed as safer bets in times of economic stress. You got the diversification benefit there. But the market is continuing to search for Goldilocks, and the data has been more favorable lately. So do you think there will still be this continued strong demand for dividend ETFs? I think we're seeing as bond yields have come down, dividends are going to be more appealing. Investors through dividend strategies like the ones we're talking about can benefit from upside in the stock market, but also get some of that downside protection and stability with dividends. So you've got Dave's new ETF, Kings, which is a version of the Spider S&P dividend ETF, SDY, which looks at for companies that have 20 plus years of dividend growth. That's over 120 companies meet that criteria. And that's going to include some technology companies, some financial companies that you're not going to find in that 50-year version. You also have many dividend ETFs that are focused on the dividend yield. And so SDOG, which is an Alps sector dividend dog ETF, is one of those ETFs equally weighted across all of the sectors in the broader market, five companies per sector. You get the benefits of diversification and a higher yield, a higher income for those that are looking for an alternative to bonds in this kind of environment. Hmm. Uh, Dave, how does the sector allocation look for uh, some of your biggest uh, holdings? I I see you've got uh, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Target, 
but you also have 3M, uh, Stanley Black and Decker, and Leggett and Platt. So a lot of consumer staples in here, but you've also got some global industrials and other cyclicals in there. So how do you how do you figure uh, out how to kind of allocate by sector in, in this group? Yeah, so when we think about the sector exposure that investors are going to find in the King's ETF, it's a healthy overweight to uh, consumer staples, industrials, and then utilities. So it is a mix of your traditionally uh, uh, defensive sectors like a consumer staples and industrials paired with those industrials. So some cyclicality, but again, these are companies that have increased their dividends each and every year for 50 years. And there's only 36 names that make that cut. This ETF starts with the S&P 1500 as its universe, so large, mid, and small caps. And so that's only 2% of companies that make this cut. If we look at a, a, a larger uh, universe of securities, uh, such as a total market index, you're going to have less than 1%. Um, so the 36 names definitely have healthy defensive exposure. But what I find most interesting is in this ETF, there's no exposure to IT and no exposure to communication services. So for investors who are looking to reallocate away from those names that have led the market higher this year, as we perhaps are concerned that maybe we are finally seeing the signs of a recession come to bear, particularly with last month's job numbers, something like the Dividend Monarchs ETF can be an opportunity for them. Hmm, interesting. Uh, interesting in terms of what, perhaps even more interesting what you're leaving out in terms of sectors than what you've got in there. Uh, John, kind of speaking of the, the macro environment, the market has really come to accept higher for longer as the new norm, at least in the in the short term. So where are we in the economy? And are you a believer in the soft landing scenario, especially as we look at the, the last two months of the year, if you can believe it? Yeah, for sure we've seen uh, yields on the 10-year Treasury increase meaningfully. Um, I think the, the risk, repeat, risk premium required in the market uh, has moved up. And with the Fed um, signaling that it's going to be high, rates are going to be higher for longer, um, I think the market's realizing that's the case and what are the implications in Fed policy um, certainly is starting to take effect. Now the question is, are we at the end of this cycle? I think we're very close. Um, bad, good economic, uh, bad economic data is really good for the market. We saw that with the employment numbers. Um, I think that it's important for the market to see an end. Um, right now, the market is looking at money market funds at 5.5% rates. And the market, is, the financial advisors, investors are overall being complacent from my perspective. And they're being complacent hmm. because 5.5% you know, is a good yield. Can we stick with that? But longer term, if you miss say the 10 good days, best days in the market for the year, you're really going to miss that entire return. So you want to be positioned correctly. And we do believe that equity income is a place that for investors to be allocated to for some portion of their overall portfolio. We believe covered calls make a lot of sense right now. Covered calls are, uh, um, whether it be QILD, our NASDAQ 100 covered call product, or uh, XYLD, our S&P 500 product, you're getting paid um, to uh, sit in the market, and if you expect the market to be range-bound, and we do expect the market to be more range-bound for the rest of the year, those are good places to get 12% yields, and you're somewhat cushioned on the downside with option premium received. Hmm. Yeah, and 12% is better than 55 uh, I know enough about math to know that. Uh, moving on, as AI continues to take the tech and investing worlds by storm, the White House just passed a landmark executive order that aims to put 
guardrails in place against potential risks to national security and the consumer when it comes to AI. But tech giants like Microsoft and Meta continue to underscore robust investments in the space. So what are the broader implications for AI here? Uh, John, let's start with you because you run an AI ETF, namely the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF. That's ticker AIQ. The new, pres- the new order President Biden just laid out is pretty ambitious. Do you see it as more of a burden or a boon to AI players in the space and perhaps public adoption more broadly? So I think some of the, the, the in the executive order, um, there's a lot of common sense potential regulation uh, with, as it relates to AI. You know, I recently went to a conference where I was listening to tech leaders talk about AI, um, as well as uh, staple type companies and how AI is going to be built into their overall business model. I think AI is very important. It appeared on the scene kind of in, in a common sense way to the everyday uh, person uh, just about a year ago. But what you are seeing is every single company uh, in their, the S&P 500 companies talking about AI and how to effectively use AI. So what you have is kind of, it's bifurcated. You have the, the, the Magnificent Seven who have access to a lot of data, access to a lot of capital, and that's where you, see the, you saw the market driven in the first, uh, by those seven names in the first half of the year. But what you are going to see is the, the use of AI into business models, how to improve efficiencies. What we are seeing is a strong CapEx cycle, a little bit weaker this quarter from last quarter, but still very strong. Labor overall is very tight. Companies are looking to improve their overall efficiency. And how do we work with AI? And I think that's key. And within two of our Mm -hmm. ETFs, AIQ, which is focused on some of the larger names, has a cap to some of those larger names at 3% upon rebalance, um, is a good way to play in a measured way um, AI. Also, we have another ETF, a robotic, uh, BOTS, B-O-T-Z, Robotics and Artificial Intelligence. Um, and, and that ETF plays on, on the CapEx cycle and efficiency and, and goes beyond tech. Hmm. Todd, do you think that the, uh, uh, you know, the news out of today releases some of the air in the AI hype train? Or do you think it continues into 2024? Uh, and apart from some of the more obvious candidates for AI, uh, like big tech, for example, what other sectors do you think actually benefit the most from the current AI boom? So, so I agree with John that what we're seeing is this is impacting the broader sectors. So you have obviously the technology companies that are benefiting from this and are a driver for their overall revenues. But we are seeing healthcare companies as well. We're seeing e-commerce companies. We at Vetify run the index behind the Think ETF, THNQ which is a robo-global artificial intelligence ETF, and you'll get exposure to healthcare e-commerce companies within that portfolio as well. This is an ETF that is constructed differently than some of the others in the marketplace. John talked about AIQ. There's also iShares has an IRBO ETF that has artificial intelligence and robotics as part of it. It's really impacting the broader sector. So I think we're in the early stages. This is going to be, as John mentioned, we're in year one, we're likely to see three, five, seven years, and why we're seeing more ETF investors look at these thematic-oriented ETFs. Dave, you recently launched a new generative AI ETF in September. Chat is the ticker there. Uh, Can you weigh in here on how generative applications uh, could play a role in the next, say, one to seven years? 
Yeah, no, um, thank you. So the chat ETF is focused just on companies involved with generative AI. So it is a more concentrated, narrower type of exposure, but one that we believe is, is beneficial when we think about the opportunities for the next generation of AI. And what I think is interesting, if you look at some of the most recent earnings reports, whether it's names like Salesforce or ServiceNow, we're actually seeing already generative AI tools being brought at the enterprise level to customers. And this is a theme that I think we are just at the early stages of. There's been folks uh, who have a lot more tech and a lot more uh, experience than me who have, have come out and said, this is the iPhone moment. This is the next big thing, just like the internet was. And, and there's a lot of belief in that because it's happening now. Oftentimes when we think about themes, they're 10 years in the future, 20 years in the future. Generative AI is here now. It was just a year ago where ChatGPT really became widely available. Now we know Elon Musk is getting involved most recently uh, with launch of another AI tool. So again, we are at the early stages of something that has applications both for enterprises and for consumers, which I think is really neat. So I imagine uh, sitting around Thanksgiving tables in a few weeks, uh, we'll be hearing a lot more about generative AI and how people maybe are, are using it when they're talking to their friends and family. <laughs> Maybe one day it can help uh, build a, a Thanksgiving menu and, and other <laughs> ways to make Thanksgiving a little easier on some of us. We'll see. Um, and finally, even in the wake of the Sam Bankman free trial last week, the crypto bulls still on parade with the price of Bitcoin topping 35000 once again after the SEC decided not to appeal the court ruling on Grayscale's proposal to convert its Bitcoin trust to an ETF. The markets appear to have fully embraced the idea that a spot Bitcoin ETF is just around the corner. So good news for the bulls there. Todd, what's your sense of the timeline here? How soon do you expect to get this long-awaited Bitcoin ETF? There are at least a dozen proposals in front of the SEC right now. Is the most likely scenario a broad swath of approvals all at once, or do you think there'll be a little bit more uh, piecemeal about it? So we at Vetify are expecting that when we are running the exchange conference in February 2024, a few months away, we are going to have a number of products that will already be trading that are spot Bitcoin ETF focused. We think that the SEC is going to follow what it did with the futures-based Ethereum ETFs that came to market, where ProShares and Bitwise and VanEck, among others, all launched products that came to market at the same time. This is, of course, different than what we saw with ProShares BITO, which came to market just over two years ago. And we're seeing strong interest in that. And what we're finding is that investors are interested in a spot Bitcoin ETF. They're going to have diversification benefits of that within a broader portfolio. It's just a matter of months, probably, before we see the first of those mm. ETFs trading. So the finish line is near. John, GlobalX is one of those applicants filing for a spot Bitcoin ETF. The SEC has managed to postpone a decision up until now. But can you tell us how you see the crypto ecosystem shaping up? Are you expecting approval here? Sure. Um, I concur with Todd. I think by the, at least by the end of the year, beginning into 2024, we'll likely see numerous Bitcoin spot ETFs uh, on the market. Um, I think that will help institutionalize the overall market, and that's why I believe you are seeing an uptick in price in uh, a Bitcoin as well as Ethereum, uh, because Ethereum will certainly follow not too long after Bitcoin. I think it's a positive for the market, um, and in, in light of you know, recent actions in the, bit, in the uh, crypto space, so uh, we look forward to that. 
And Dave, I'm assuming you're on the same bandwagon here as you filed an application for the Roundhill Bitcoin covered call strategy ETF. So how do you think about the environment for crypto ETFs and how does yours uh, differ from some of the other ones that are seeking approval? Yeah, I think uh, we're, we're starting to see the time is coming. The marketplace is ready. Folks, investors are getting educated on crypto and the opportunity that an ETF can bring to the space. Uh, what we filed for is a bit different. It actually uh, uh, combines, it's, it's similar to a covered call strategy on uh, Bitcoin as an asset. Um, and again, I think what we're starting to see is that it's not just uh, opportunities for ETFs when it comes to equities, bonds, commodities. We're now seeing the structure be able to apply in a multitude of different ways, whether that's options income, whether it's in the crypto space. So I think, again, as I said, the time is here. There's going to be more opportunities for investors. They are going to need to do, your, do their homework. As, uh, as noted from uh, my colleagues here uh, at ATF Edge today, there's going to be likely more than one, um, but investors can be prepared and there's going to be choice for them, which is always a good thing. <laughs> and we can help them a little bit with their homework now, because speaking of covered calls, ETFs, uh, Todd, this has been a strategy that's gained a lot of traction this year in particular. Can you help explain how it works and unpack the recent surge in popularity? Yeah, so we've seen covered call ETFs that provide, in most cases, equity exposure to the broader markets, and then they use calls to be able to, they sell calls to be able to provide some income, and that provides some downside protection. So the JP Morgan Equity Premium Income, JEPI, is the most popular of the actively managed ETFs in general, and it has seen strong demand. We've seen strong interest from Global X suite of products that John talked about, QYLD and XYLD. We've seen new firms uh, enter the marketplace. Goldman Sachs launched a product uh, earlier about a month ago. And then Morgan Stanley launched an ETF, PAPI, Poppy, uh, just a few weeks ago. And we were talking about that, those two ETFs at the Vetify Income Strategy Symposium. We're seeing really strong advisor interest in these ETFs. And I think heading into 2024, it's only going to increase. Yeah, just uh, it's a strategy, it sounds like, for an uncertain future where you don't know uh, what the downside could look like. That's it for today. I'm Leslie Picker, filling in for Bob Fasani. Thank you for listening, and make sure you tune in next week. In the meantime, you can tweet us your questions or topic ideas at ETF Edge CNBC. Invesco QQQ believes new innovations create new opportunities. Become an agent of innovation. Invesco QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc.